everybody. Welcome back to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. I'm Steve-O. Hey, he remembered his name this week. Uh, Tyler is on assignment. I, I was supposed to say that, I guess. I don't know. He's actually in Vegas doing whatever it is you do in Vegas. I'm sure there's something to do there. There's a little town in the desert. Anything you, anything Obviously, you do he's not going to tell us what happened there. Yeah. Uh, because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So we're not going to pester him at all about it next time he shows up. Well, if he shows up, he might get buried in the desert. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm expecting to come back with a wife on, with a wife attached to his hip. <laughs> Pictures of an Elvis impersonator in the background. <laughs> yep. Okay, so this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things, and that's what we're planning on doing today. We have some good Linux news, but first, as always, we start off the week talking about what we've done in the open source world and on our computers and stuff, just randomly stuff. So, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us what you've been working on this week? <clears throat> good thing you started with me because it's going to be uh, quite a long one, this one. Oh, good. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, I've been working on uh, Zero Linux, of course, uh, but I'm not going to go into detail uh, about that. You're going to discover that on May 15th when the new releases get, get out. I'm just going to uh, announce that Zero Linux XFCE edition is coming on May 15th. Yes, it's going to be back. I'm bringing it back. Because apparently I have a lot of uh, potato laptop owners out there uh, that really want a desktop environment that uh, is light on resources. So I'm like, hey, I already done it before. Why not bring it back? XFC is uh, great for power users too. It's fantastic. Yes, but uh, I'm saying for performance-wise. It's the shit out of KDE. Sorry. It does. Uh went through your video to try to rice it the way you did, but XFCE panel was in the trash bin. Polybar made it back. Uh, You're going to put Poly... But, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. You're using Polybar and XFCE? Yes. Why? Because uh, because XFCE panel is a piece of trash that I don't want to look at. Oh, uh, totally, disagree. totally disagree. It, it doesn't look sexy enough for Zero Linux, so obviously <laughs> it, it's not going to be packaged in Zero Linux. Oh, man. No, it's not about that. It's not about I, that. I, would, I, said, try, I tried to center the clock. It wouldn't center. It would always move. and It was, it was like, um, I need something else. You, 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 you literally right should side. have hopped in the chat and said, hey, Matt, could you possibly help me with XFC4 panel? And be like, sure. I'll help you, Steve. We, we, look, we, we watched your stream literally while we were working on it. Uh, we couldn't get it exactly the, the way I wanted it to be. It's similar to yours, but with extreme round corners, tra extreme transparency. That I know you can do transparency. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's, uh, I, I wanted to configure it with, uh, with, with a better tray because the tray icon sucked. Oh. The XFCE panel, uh, each one was a different size. Um, so I was like, need something better. Went with Polybar because I've done it before and I know how to work Polybar on. Uh, on I am astonishingly disappointed in you, Steve. <laughs> it works. Polybar works on XFCE. It's not like it doesn't. No, Polybar works on everything, but it's not. It's not. It's not the same. It's it, it's a tra it's a travesty, is what it is. But we can move on. If I show you, if I show you a screenshot, you will understand. He did a great job. Kudu did a great job. That. Uh, but uh, we have even a button. You click it. It uh, it opens up a power menu on the uh, on the Polybar. You select reboot, uh, 
blog out or whatever. It's all done in the polybar. On uh, on and the XFCE panel, it's either Whisker menu or some shit ass uh, simpler version of Whisker menu. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, so we're using Rofi as our menu for now. Uh, but bes that's beside the point. I was working on Zero Linux uh, XFCE because that's the only one that's left to finish. My question uh, for you is, does XFCE really have to have rounded corners? Yes. No. For me, yes. For it zero doesn't Linux, have yes. to, but it can. Uh, also, someone for in the chat says you can't use flow and rounded corners in XFCE panel. Yes, you can. You can make a yes, fake you flow. You can do pretty much... It's literally CSS. It's, you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> correct. Correct. It's not It's not wrong, but if you, uh, we tried putting it on the top, every time we maximize the window, it would go under the, the panel. That's the only workaround that Kudu found, because he's working on the rise, is by adding in a, a second invisible bar panel. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was also busy... Uh, Broadcasting Easter, uh, I mean, Good Friday and a Thursday from church. And in the Linux world, I was uh, really busy working on GNOME, seeing how I can modify uh, the, uh, a few things, because when it will be released, I hope uh, it will be in GNOME 44. Uh, just uh, studying which extensions I can leave in, which extensions I can leave out. Uh, and working on the tool, uh, the new Hello tool that's going to be making it in this release. Hopefully, uh, Dead Synapse can uh, can finish it by then. Been working on it uh, off and on since October, and working with uh, Broken Ansible on this on a web on a web page for on a page uh, on a website for the uh, spins. Because those and spins, what what do spins mean in the Linux zero Linux world? It means you pay for the you donate for the ISO or build it yourself for free. Because I'm encouraging, not because I want to charge because I'm an asshole. No, it's because I'm in a current situation that is so bad that it requires funds. I cannot find a job. I cannot, so I need to find a way to give while getting in return. Uh, so mm. I'm charging for my time, and uh, I'm encouraging people learn how to build an ISO and tinker and get into their hands dirty with Linux. So, and besides that, I can now monetize on my channel. I have joint memberships and everything. So, well, I'm glad that you guys have some way of making revenue off of YouTube. <laughs> some so, of us don't get uh, banned off from every platform. I'm just putting. It <laughs> so that's what I've been doing in the Linux world, and now just built Mulvad uh, browser, which will be available on the Zero Linux repository if anyone is already on Zero Linux. Be able to grab it in a few hours. All right, uh, Josh, what have you been up to? We had a uh, distro hacking had... episode. It was awesome. Yeah, I know, right? I I I was literally stripping everything out of Zero Linux to make not Zero Linux. <laughs> you should watch the stream. You should watch the stream. He did. He did a good job, but I saw <laughs> the fact that he couldn't 
see symlinks from regular files. That was a really funny part yeah, of turned, the episode. It turns out that a certain somebody over over here, he, he uses these uh, things called symlinks, which, you know, I, if you're looking through everything through VS Code, VS Code does not know what a symlink is, and it will just display it as a regular file. It will open the file from your system instead. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was modifying the uh, displaymanager.service file for systemd, I was modifying the displaymanager.service file on my local system and not what not the one I was wanting to work on, which explains <laughs> why when my when I went to uh, turn on the computer this morning, my Zero Linux was not working for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Watch the stream, people. Watch it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it was good. But anyways, uh, bes- besides that, uh, I had a very busy week. Uh, I-, I have filed 27 bug reports, uh, 14 of which were already resolved. All 14 of which, those, by the way, went to Hyperland. So Hyperland had 14 bug fixes, thanks to me. Uh, then, there were, then uh, you know, I filed a, a bunch more for Fedora. And... Uh, I, I only filed four Gen 2 related bug reports, and uh, thankfully their bug tracker was actually working this week. Four only. Uh, that's, and that's then a... my my next project here is involving the Ublue OS images, which are uh, alternative Fedora Silver Blue images. Uh, th- th- it's got the world's greatest URL. It's ublue.it. So you blew it. Yeah, I saw, <laughs> I saw that. Um... I, mean, I follow the guy who's behind that on on Mastodon. Uh, it's basically yeah, like and, uh, silver blue, but you can it's a whole bunch of rebased ISA yep. things for different. Yeah. yeah. So I I did the stupid thing and uh, I I loaded up. I literally built my own OCI container for it because all 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 it is just a Fedora Core OS, which is OCI container based, which is what silver blue is. And I modified it. The first thing I did was I removed Flatpak and I removed Podman and I removed Toolbox, because we are all we are all in on app images. <laughs> sounds like because I want to see how much I hate myself. Sounds like a torturous experience. Um, app images are. Uh, yeah, it turns out that uh, there's a lack of a centralized repository. So I found 17 different variations of Firefox, four different variations of Discord, only one of which actually supported video chat. <laughs> App, uh, app images. The version of Firefox that I settled on apparently does not package uh, Widevine, so I can't watch the stream on YouTube, but I can participate in the chat. That's funny. Uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, back in the day when PPAs were like the only way of getting multiple kinds of software on Ubuntu, you'd, you'd always go searching like you were on Windows for the software. You'd find the PPA and then you'd realize that, the, that nobody's updated the PPA since like... 2008 (laughs) and you 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 download the thing and like half the stuff wouldn't even work on your version of ubuntu but if you could get it to work you'd never get an update for it because it's just never been updated before somebody created it for that one use and then just left it on their blog probably their blogspot blog for you know 10 years um that's what happened speaking of speaking of updates uh, I, i currently host a browser on on my repositories that hasn't seen an update in over a year, and I don't know if you uh, guys heard, which browser is it? Surf. I don't know if you if you guys heard of Waterfox G4. I have heard of Waterfox. Get rid of that. All right, will do because it hasn't received any <laughs> updates in over a year, and I'm yeah, hosting uh, it for some it, reason. It, yeah, 
you don't you don't need that anymore. It's a Firefox based uh, web browser, and there's been some massive uh, vulnerabilities discovered in Firefox in the last year. Get rid of it. <laughs> All right. Why for, was I hosting it? I don't know. <laughs> somebody, probably somebody asked. I know a couple of people who still use uh, Waterfox for f- reasons. I don't know why. Um, but anyways, for me, I have um, been messing around with Xmonad, as I made a video about, and um, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, You're on Xmonad right now? I am not, no. Um, I'm still working on getting everything to the point where it's actually working, and I don't feel comfortable doing that in a, in, on a podcast. <laughs> just, okay. I'm, I'm just okay. not there yet. So I've, what I've been doing is, because I do most of my stuff in, in VMs now anyways, so I've been doing all of the um, configuration stuff in a VM for now. I do have Xmonad on my physical system, and uh, that's where I made the video from the other day. And it's it's... I don't like it. <laughs> I just uh, Xmonad itself is fine, but Haskell is god awful. Like I don't know. I get it's. I don't think Haskell's actually bad. I think I'm just too stupid for Haskell. I think that that's well, where I'm at. The only version of programming I I know a little bit of is Lua programming. So every time I look at that look at Haskell and I'm working in Haskell, I just wind, wind up accidentally writing Lua. Well, Lua and Haskell are pretty – guys, remember, I'm not a developer, so they look similar in some places, like with the beginning comma at the beginning of the line yep. and all that stuff. It, 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 yep. But, the, but then There's you can, just enough similarities there to get me. Yeah, and, and then Haskell adds in those – like the, the weird places for where quote, uh, question marks pop up for some reason, and then there's that – bracket uh greater than or less than bracket with a plus in the middle which is a weird thing and then there's the dot mm-hmm. and then the pipe and the dot again and nobody nobody knows what that does unless you're a haskell developer so um yeah i i have no clue what i'm doing i'm still working on it and i plan on actually putting it on my production system when i get the a bar working which i haven't got there yet i'm still i've been working on it for days and i still haven't got there i'm thinking about seeing if i can get xfc4 panel to work actually i'm thinking oh my god no Ah, no don't scream hey don't scream into your mic dude (laughs) right but whenever somebody mentions the the xfce bar it's like panel it's like no just just because you couldn't figure it out steve doesn't mean it's bad uh, and, and that's what that's what I would say about Xmonad and, and Xmobar and stuff. Just because I can't figure it out doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just I can't figure it out. Anyways, that's what I've been doing. Uh, nothing really all that special other than that I've been working my ass off. Uh, turns out uh, t- turns yeah. out taking three weeks off is not uh, conducive to actually you know being on time with your job. So uh, you know. just just uh, uh, just discovered that Waterfox G4 is dead it was replaced by waterfox g which is, last update was on the 28th of march and there's a browser i just discovered called mercury browser uh, that is a firefox with compiler optimizations and patches from LibreWolf, waterfox and gnu uh, ice cat why not just package uh LibreWolf and just call it good some people probably want the other stuff. Um, no, I have LibreWolf, uh, but I haven't. It hasn't been updated in a while. Let's see, LibreWolf. All right, oh, let's go Libre ahead. Wolf. LibreWolf is as a flat pack in the zero Linux tool. That's why I'm yeah. not building it. 
Okay. Let's go ahead and move into the news. I know we're very excited about the news. Guys, um, people who are watching this, we apologize for the lack of really good news this week. We had a hell of a time finding news. Um, it was just a very, very slow week. But we're going to pl plug along. So, uh, Steve, why don't you take us first for the first uh, news? The first news, I'm going to start off uh, with non-KDE news. Uh, I'm just going to uh, start with the uh, second oh. one. First of all, uh, hold on, hold on a second. Use Opera? <laughs> Somebody in the chat just said to use Opera. Opera is still a thing? <laughs> I was going I was going to mention that earlier. A lot of content creators are being sponsored by Opera, and they have sponsor spots for Opera GX. Well, I, I guess if Opera yep. wanted to send me some you money, know, apparently you need to play video games in your web browser. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't. They, they, it's like Vivaldi has all this extra stuff in there, and then there's Opera that somehow makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna start off with Pipewire news because I have a few uh, words to say about that. Right. They uh, they released a new update la uh, which landed last night on Arch. Uh, they fixed the RTP. Uh, se uh, it has uh, a new RTP session module that leverages the uh, the Apple MIDI protocol for low latency bidirectional MIDI between uh, systems. While Opus encoding was added uh, to the RTP mm -hmm. formats, I'm just gonna stop here and say one thing. A lot of people complain about OB about uh, Pipewire uh, being like uh, getting their output going through their microphones on some reboots. Otherwise, it works. Uh, in other times, it works, and uh, vice versa. Uh, never had an issue with Pipewire ever since I started using it, like a year and a half ago, uh, until last night. Last night's update. This update they're talking about. Uh, created also symbolic link of uh, pipewire binaries which caused uh, mayhem on my system not only was the mic being uh, chosen as an output it had to be running an application in the background uh, required uh, pipewire was using pipewire to be able to get any audio out of my browser if I, wa I wanted to watch a YouTube video, I would get YouTube video just stopping, just telling me uh, that it cannot play back. As soon as I launched OBS, for example, video would come back just normal. Sometimes I just had to click on the volume uh, tray icon and the icon in the tray to drop down the uh, the, the volume settings. Then audio will continue playing. As soon as I close close that, the audio would disappear. I was like, what the hell is going on? This was a really, really messy update. It reset everything on my system. I had to spend four hours in total, between two hours last night and two hours this morning, to get it to behave. Almost had to cancel my, my own podcast because of this. Uh, I don't know what they did. I need to uh, back, uh, trace back everything. Uh, uh, that caused all my issues. Uh, and I think it's actually your session manager that would actually that actually routes the sound channels for Pipewire. What so I was it thinking, might, it might uh, have been something with what with uh, let's say you're using Wire Plumber, right? Yeah. Okay, so it might have been something with a uh, Wire Plumber. 
don't know what it was. I don't understand these things. I don't pretend to. Uh, even restarting Pipewire, running the restart command on Pipewire and Pipewire Pulse didn't fix the issue. It was like stuck in, in, in non-functional uh, land. So, uh, but after total, a total of four hours, I got it in this, I just opened up the K KDE sound settings uh, and I started selecting various combinations. And don't forget, each uh, audio setting has a profile attached to it, like uh, stereo duplex, stereo whatever, one surround, 2.1, whatever. Uh, I had to fumble with these profiles until I found one that works. Now I, I took a screenshot and saved it, so I can, if uh, this happens again, I know how, how uh, what to go back to. This was a really messy update, it, at least for me. I'm not saying it, in general it was a messy update. For me, for my case, a year and a half, zero issues with, with all the updates that were released since until this one. This one just, I, I died. So uh, if I were you guys, I would create a snapshot if you're using BTRFS. If you're not, just create a backup using Timeshift, update, and if everything goes haywire, go back, revert until they release the next update. I'm Be more, careful. I'm more interested. I mean, not that I, I don't have uh, sympathy for your problems, Steve, but uh, I had no clue that Pipewire was on BSD. Um, maybe I'm just out of the loop. It, it, I didn't know Pipewire used BSD, but apparently it does. Did you guys know that? It can run. Well, I know it could. I figure it could probably run. You can. The only things that the only things that outright cannot run on free on previous. Well, no, I knew it could. Has a super hard uh, kernel dependency. I Otherwise, knew it probably could run. Is actually relatively compatible. You can get most things to run on BSD. I just didn't know that it used it. It was a different term of phrase. Anyways, it doesn't doesn't matter. I was just shocked, kind of shocked by that. Anyways, so that's Pipewire. Uh, I'm not using Pipeware. I have Pulse Audio on my system, which is uh, equally bad, it seems. Audio on Linux still sucks. Okay, uh, Josh, your first one. Oh, my first one. Oh, boy. Uh, so, ZSTD compression, which was created by, by Facebook, has been my favorite compression algorithm for a very long time now. And, uh, you know, while I was scraping the news articles this morning, just trying to find something interesting to talk about, I decided I was going to start with the boring topic first. Because uh, Z, uh, ZSTD, or other, otherwise known as the Z standard compression, pushed out a new update. Uh, let's see, this article was published on the 5th, and the release was four days ago. That actually fixed an issue where it could potentially corrupt your file. So if, say, you were using ButterFS, and you actually took the time to manually manually set it up and configure it like I typically do, uh, you, most people actually do use uh, Z standard compression. So uh, there, there was actually a an admittedly extremely low chance that you could have actually cor that you could have accidentally corrupted corrupted uh, your file system there for for a short while, but I can already confirm that it's been fixed that that this uh, fix has been backported in in several distros. Uh, sorry, Debian, you haven't you haven't backported it yet. I miss ButterFS. But, <laughs> yeah. So uh, of course. Uh, I, I just felt like eh, it might be worthwhile to explain it because, you know, maybe somebody out there actually ran into it. 
But yeah, uh, for for the most part though, it's that was there. There have also been performance improvements. So like, uh, you, it is still the fast. It is still the most performant of the compression algorithms. So yes. uh, it's it's pretty uh, good. And speaking of ZSTD, uh, no, we're not uh, talking about uh, sexual transmitting diseases. Uh, uh, not funny, Greg. Yes. Not funny. Uh, it's uh, ABS will be using ZSTD soon. Surprisingly, I have absolutely zero interest in compression algorithms. I don't know if that surprises anybody or not. I could. Well, well uh, you also don't have a root drive on your on your desktop computer that's only 32 gigs in size. No, I don't. In fact, have <laughs> that. So, um. Nope. I I think the smallest hard drive I have in the house is like 500 gigabytes. So. And that, I have. Uh, you want to know the smallest hard drive I have? The smallest hard drive I have is 72 megabytes in size. I used to have an 8 megabyte hard drive. That was the shit. Yeah, I so don't. This was this was also. Uh, I mean, I have floppy disk drives. 21 years ago. Uh, I got. You guys still have some floppy disk drives running around. I have some CDRWs. Um, but, but those don't you know you have one hard drive. I don't know if you call it a hard drive because back in the day, what was it called? Uh, it, from the seventies. Yeah, it's part of a computer that my dad used to have. You are so old, yeah. Steve. I'm just. <laughs> no, not me. My my dad had it. I just found it in the attic. Uh, but it's a hard drive. Is uh, 64 kilobytes in size. It's this big, this thick, and I'm not lying. It's this thick. Uh, and it's got a what we call in our slang manivelle. It's like a thing that you use to turn to <laughs> a, a manual. Uh, what do you call this in English? Uh, a crank winding winding thing uh, to wind up the hard drive and gets uh, in cases it gets uh, in case it gets stuck. Oh, it's like that's interesting. Yeah. I found it in the attic, and I still have it to this day because I'm a geek. <laughs> oh, apparently uh, Debbie, Debbie already did backport the patch. She just wasn't there when I looked. <laughs> cool. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Um, I, I know for, for you guys who are watching this, we're really sorry that we don't have better news. <laughs> it was really fucking slow. It, it was honestly the only the one thing I've been trying to actively avoid is the only thing that was relative that seemed newsworthy this week because literally everybody mentioned it. Uh, Ubuntu pushed the release a uh, the first beta for 2304. Woohoo! Ubuntu is so boring too. Or no, not not beta. I think it's actually a release candidate because it is April. Yeah, they should be approaching the freeze here. Wait a minute, doesn't it come out on like the ninth or something? Uh, I think it's the fifteenth. I I knew it was sometime in the next week. Um, but also, I don't know. I, I'm having so much trouble getting interested in Ubuntu lately. Uh, I, I've had. It's understandable. It's just uh, Anyways, uh, that said, go ahead. The most interesting thing about Ubuntu right now is that uh, they actually pushed a full, fully version matching GNOME stack for once. Wait, really? Got, yeah, everything's GNOME 44. Really? That could actually yeah. be interesting because they've been so horrible. I mean, sometimes they had like a three. Well, at the same at the same old. time, the the last few releases for Ubuntu have really just been like in the LTS cycle. So the LTS, so 
we're we're in the middle of it right now. So this is typically when Ubuntu has historically always like pushed out the new features. Well, they're this will be the first one with the new installer, right? Yeah, this they also have the new installer. Mm, yeah, I tried it. It was why did it take? I still I'm, we don't need to get into that. Let's go ahead and move on to the my first my first one is that uh, the Pine sixty four's uh, Risk five single board computer is now available to order. Star sixty four. Uh, this thing looks pretty cool. I'm just gonna say that I don't know how well it will compare to other Risk five things that have been released, but Pine sixty four usually tends to do a pretty good job with this stuff. I know they've done. Uh, some of the some of the single board computer stuff before, but this is their first Risk Five board. Um, it's actually not their first one; it's actually their second. All, right, all the first, I know is it, in the first it says Star Sixty Four Pine Sixty Four's no, first Risk Five single board. It's literally in the first sentence of the article. So that's oh, yeah, all I it, know. It is the first of the single board computers, but it's not the very first product that they made using Risk Five because uh, their their uh, soldering iron is actually a Risk Five chip, and uh, they have a microcontroller that that uses Risk Five too. Right. Which you can flash it so that it is a single single board computer. All the rest, but it's one of those little nano nano ones. Yeah. But anyways, this thing has um, a 1.5 gigahertz processor featuring um, six a 600 megahertz a 600 megahertz GPU. Um, it also has up to eight gigabytes of LDDR4 memory and comes with a 32-bit RISC-V E24 CPU for real-time control. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure how it will compare to other RISC-V stuff that's been coming out lately, but it, it's the one thing that uh, Pine64 does is they make this kind of stuff very easily available. Like you can just go to their website and you can buy it. Like a lot of this. Well, right now you can't because everything's out of stock. Well, I'm sure because everything was always out of the stock. <laughs> but usually we you can go to their website and just get it. And and they're one of the companies that yeah you can go there and you can see their stuff that's out of stock. But they get stuff back in stock quite often. Like they they refresh yeah. their inventory. Quite often, so like the the, the Pinebook Pro, you can, it's um, it's out of stock a lot, but well, you check back, the, the, it comes back. The unique thing about the Pine 64 is that uh, they're they're like the only relatively large single board computer company that does not that choose that purposely chooses not to sell to to uh, corporations. Uh, if you're going to buy a Pine 64 product, you buy it through their website like a normal person. Uh, that that's how they do it. Yeah, I have. A few of their products. So I have a uh, Pine Power or whatever it's called, and I have a one of their smartwatches. And um, yeah, it's garbage, but it's cool. Um, yeah, it's cool garbage. It, it's cool. never seen. It's I've like, never seen you watch wear a watch. Like literally, I have one on my wrist every time I do a podcast. Um, but Don't notice it. I. <laughs> Prefer to have actual functionality, and unfortunately, the Pine Time or whatever is—it's fine, but it doesn't compare with the Galaxy Watch, which is what I wear. Um, but it's still cool, and I like to play around with it. And I—I uh, I think I'm gonna look into some other images because I think there's some other other images for it that you can try out. Probably buggy, but who cares? It's like 26 bucks. The fact that they can yeah, do stuff like that. Cheap watch. Yeah, it's yeah. like 26 dollars. You can't even buy like a Timex for 26 dollars. You know, this thing, this thing has like a, you can't, it has stuff in it that actually, you know, works. It's cool. Um, anyways, I've been playing around with that. I've had that for quite a while and I have one of their other products, but too, but I don't remember what it is. Honestly, I think I, it doesn't matter. Anyways. So I do have some other stuff and I'm thinking if this ever, the, the, 
risk five thing ever comes back in stock, I might get one of these because it's what is it like sixty four sixty was it eighty six dollars or uh the the expensive one is ninety dollars. Yeah. Um. So it's not as cheap as some of the other SBCs that are out there, but it's still, I mean, seriously, not that expensive. So might be something fun to play around with. What what kind of I forgot and didn't look at the. So it has some USB-C stuff on it. Does it have built-in? Yeah, it has a built-in Ethernet on it. It has an open-ended PCI Express slot. Right, it's only an X1 slot, but you can still you can still do a lot with with the PCI Express lane. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Four four lane um micro SD card slot. Um, a a CSI port for. Connecting a, ca- a camera module, so this has a lot of I/O on it, a lot of I/O. Yeah. Um. Cool. Anyways, yeah, that's the the Pine 64, uh, Star 64. They they really like that. They they they're very good at maintaining their brand on that stuff. But anyways, that stuff yeah. that is um. Let me ask you guys this question. Things how we you know you know we have some time. Do you think that the perpetual out of stockness of the Raspberry Pi is going to hurt it long term because it already has because uh raspberry the, the Raspberry Pi Foundation has actually allocated uh 50% of all of the pies that they produce to to uh consu- to corp- corporate interests and uh as a result a lot of the manu- a, a lot of their manufacturing contracts with uh I think uh, the big one is uh, Cortex, which is the company that that makes their processors, uh, has al- has already uh, ch- told them that uh, they that uh, they're not going to renew the contract because uh, th- their contract was that uh, the Pi is an educational device. Because if you remember all the original advertisements for Raspberry Pi, they were literally for people to tinker with and learn how to sure. work on computers, <laughs> and uh, they are not doing that anymore. So yeah. uh, as a result, all the other single board computer computer makers have actually gotten a lot of in, influence behind them. Uh, Pine sixty four, not nearly as much as like uh, some of the other ones, like or- Orange Pie or Latte Panda or uh, what's the other one, like Kudos or Cardus or whatever. Uh, they they've really stepped forward. Uh, even Libre Computer has actually uh, seen an an increase in sales as well. Uh, which, uh, if you don't know what Lib- who Libre Computer is, uh, they're they're they're, they're like uh, the Free Software Foundation of the single board computers. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason why I ask because it just seems like basically every other week we cover a brand new SBC on on the podcast, and it seems like more and more companies that are, are you know like small startups are getting into this kind of stuff, and yeah. uh, all all, said, all along the the Raspberry pie has just been sitting there no one can buy it it's like three times the price if you wanted to, to you know like source one on ebay or something like that and the raspberry pi 4 is now two years old i mean it's already two years old and we haven't even heard rumors of anything else new um so uh, it's just it just feels like they're being a little bit left behind because of the i mean because of the things you talked about josh but also because they it felt like for there for a while like at the beginning of the chip shortage they did fine, but once the they really got hit by the chip shortage and just couldn't make anymore they really had a problem. 
But you know, uh, I I'm still a big fan of like the Pine sixty Pine sixty four products. Uh, lighted uh, you, if you're used to like uh, single board computers, uh, there is nothing that has the software support that the Raspberry Pi has, which is yeah. really the, the primary driver of why people uh, focus so much on the Raspberry Pi and why it's got s- such a mass ecosystem for it is purely because the software support is there. Uh, the second best one at this point is probably the Orange Pi, and then like third third kid on the block is Pine 64. So you have to remember that. And a lot of the Pine 64 products that they sell, they actively tell you on 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 the store page, don't buy this if you want it to work. Well, and <laughs> yeah, almost almost all their products say, hey, this is for development work only, right? Um, yeah. Which is obviously not. Uh, that said, they, great surprisingly, for... that notice is not on the Star 64. That's so maybe they actually got some faith behind this one. It'd be interesting to see, I wonder what image will be the most popular, because you can probably put... I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the contact information. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so in any number of ways. The best way is probably to head on over to the website, uh, which is the linuxcast.org. Uh, there you'll find past episodes and blog posts when I do post them, which I have been getting back into that lately, so which that, sh- that should be good. Uh, you can follow the channel, or follow me, I should say, on Mastodon and Odyssey and all those places. Those links will be in the video description or in the podcast description if you're listening to the audio version lately. You can follow Josh at tenleyj.com slash stalker. Steve is on YouTube at youtube.com slash at zero Linux zero with an X. I, that's right, right? Yeah? Okay. I believe so. I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't I, – I'm literally doing – I'm doing it off the – Tip of my head. Uh, anyway, so make sure you give those guys a follow. You can also f- uh, find all of our contact information at the linuxcast.org uh, slash contact. There you'll find other links for the fellas, along with all of this stuff, including links to the Telegram channel, the store that Zany runs, um, you know, any number of other things that I've probably forgotten exists. The Discord, which w- just went over a thousand members. So if you're not on the Discord, come join us. We have a lot of fun over there. And uh, finally, uh, subscribe to LinuxCast at youtube.com slash LinuxCast if you haven't already. I truly do appreciate everybody who has uh, subscribed to the channel. And you can support me on on Patreon at patreon.com slash LinuxCast. Uh, that's the contact information, which I did completely without it in front of me, which I think is um, pretty impressive. Considered that yeah, I, you did, you did that pretty good. Usually I mess up with it in front of me, so the fact that I did it <laughs> better without it is probably pretty good. So, uh, Steve... Let's go ahead and, and we're going to steal late night Linux's KDE corner, uh, apparently, because we're going to cover some KDE stuff. So, Steve, your uh, KDE news for the week, please. Yeah, we can't hear oh, we a word audio. you're saying, Uh-oh. bro. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mute yourself in Discord? No, we didn't see the mute notification yes. or the mute, mute icon. So he's so you, not muted. Pipewire strikes again. You shouldn't have said all those bad things about Pipewire, Steve. It's getting you <laughs> back, man. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, uh, Steve, still can't hear you, man. Nope. You, we see your we see your uh, lips are moving. Nope. Yeah. You you could be shouting into that thing. We still can't hear you. Um. Uh. He he might need to close Discord and reopen it. Maybe. <laughs> 
But it's it's fine because I read this news article too. Uh, because, okay. But I just purposely chose not to cover it because I I kind of figured Steve was going to talk about it. The, I, so every anyways, time I see Katie news, I was like, I am leaving that for Steve. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Steve, while while we're covering this, just go ahead and uh, restart Discord and see if that fix fixes it. But anyways, uh, the KDE frameworks has pushed out another update, improving support for flat packs and even updating the breeze icon theme. You know, that icon theme, which is typically the first thing that a lot of people that decided they're going to make KDE look better. They're going to change it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, I, I'm I'm still an advocate that uh, you should always use, have Breeze installed on the system, at least, because it is the fallback icon set for, mm-hmm. for KDE. Oh, yeah. Don't uninstall. So, don't uninstall. Here's the thing. All right. Let's just talk about this for a second. Don't ever uninstall an icon pack from KDE once you installed it. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really bad idea because the, you'll never get you'll never get it to oh, work properly if you uninstall stuff. There's a reason why you can never remove the anything at Wida from GNOME because uh, for just that reason because they are the fallback icon sets for the environments. Hey. Hello. Hey Steve, we can hear you now. Yeah. <laughs> I had to unplug and replug and but my recording software stopped recording. <laughs> here so, I here uh, I was blaming John. Uh, Josh prematurely for the us having to use the backup recording. Turns out it's Steve Salt. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, uh, I can I can resume recording, uh, but the recording is gonna be out of whack. I don't know if you can. Don't no. Fix don't it. don't even bother. Don't worry about it. We'll just use the backup. Um, oh okay. Sorry. Uh, I don't know what happened. I just deleted something from the folder. It you know the notification sound. It plays. It froze uh, all the audio. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so let's just pause, let's just take a moment to digest what he just said. I deleted something from the folder is never a good sentence to start off with when you're recording a podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't delete no. stuff on Linux if, unless you know what you're, to, you're, what you're deleting, man. Come on. I'm deleting. I was, I was deleting here's just how a I package. See it. Here's how package I see it. On my repo. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's using Arch Linux, so let's just blame Arch Linux. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely be using Gen 2. I'm sure it's better. <laughs> no, I was just deleting a, a file from my repository to re- because I was updating uh, Waterfox and Mercury, adding Mercury Fox and all that to my repository. Yeah, we should definitely not be doing this during the podcast because things go wrong, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, don't touch the computer from now on. Yeah, don't touch don't the computer. Touch, until... Don't touch it during the podcast. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, well... He went through my uh, my article, so I have nothing else to say. But uh, I didn't receive the update yet. It might be a few days until I do. But uh, hopefully something gets fixed. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> something gets fixed on my end because I'm I'm grasping at straws here. Well, the the important thing about uh, the KDE stack is that KDE frameworks is actually like the back end of KDE. It's like your core libraries, the things that actually that KDE relies on to actually do stuff. So you're not going to get anything visibly new. Uh, what <laughs> what you're going to do is just uh, see th- things work a little bit more reliably. Uh, in this case here, there's some new APIs for Flatpak integration and the Breeze icon the Breeze icon theme, like I said. Uh, there, there's also been some slight changes. Yeah, the flatbacks uh, to the file indexing service. Yeah, the Baloo, the the Baloo. I went through the article, so I know. Uh, yeah. The the Baloo file indexer now doesn't use the the uh, the thing it was using the null 
what's it called? Uh, it's not uh, using Python anymore. It's not using it's not the using virtual Python. and folders, and it's not going to be doing. Yeah. It's going to stop indexing unprintable characters into the database. Which yeah, why that cost it cost it. That caused it to uh, to cause it to cause uh, slowdowns uh, and uh, CP, uh, o, uh, high CPU usage. Uh, so now we can uh, re-enable it, I guess. Uh, also, uh, KDE frameworks improved the Kirigami-based apps to correctly uh, showing a radio button in menus with manu uh, uh, mutually exclusive items rather than checkbox. So. That needed work for a while, and I even reported it on Upstream. They only now work on it. That took them a while. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the, the single biggest thing, if you're a Kate user, you have what? QML required keywording for syntax highlighting. Well, yeah. I, uh, in Kate, <laughs> I, I always, whenever, because I use Kate as my default text editor, because KDE, why not? Uh, I always got this exact error at the bottom you, uh, kate has a uh, re error reporter at the bottom it's pla it's a button that keeps flashing in orange or whatever color your theme the theme you're using it keeps flashing 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 when you click on it it's exactly that error message so i yep. guess they finally so, addressed it yeah they finally addressed it <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm like okay kde I I am with, for once in my in my KDE usage life I am with Matt on this one. Stop adding features and take care of them bugs. It's never first. ever going to happen. They're they're incapable of doing it. It's just it's just not it's just not point. It, it's not the way their project is built. Their project is built to continually add and add stuff. The thing the the problem here got and all right, so I'm going to say this knowing that it's also not true, but it feels unsustainable. But we know that it is sustainable because KDE's been doing this for 25, 30 years, however long KDE's been around. This is just A the while. way KDE has always done stuff. They've added new features constantly. That's what they do. And uh, they do their best to fix bugs. But if you – audience, if you want to have a, the time of your nerd life, go – troll through the KDE bug reporter system. Like, you'll just be astonished. Like, that thing has hundreds of thousands of bugs just laying there. Some of them from years and years ago. Um, now, that's not any different than any other major big project, but it feels bigger on the KDE part because it just feels like they have way more. Like, if, if you just go there and search for the K-Screen the, the K screen one. The K-Screen one had, like, 720 bugs or something like that. Maybe it was, like, 270. It, has, it was a, hundreds of bugs just for that one service. Well, it's... Uh, people are, might get shocked uh, when, I, when me, a KDE uh, super simp, will say this. Uh, but... I use GNOME to relax, because with the amount, uh, with the busyness of KDE and the constant movement of KDE, I use GNOME to relax. I just want to work on something, and I just don't want to see all this. Uh, not visually, I'm just talking. Uh, I don't want to click more than twice or three times to get to to, to what sometimes, I'm doing. Sometimes, sometimes you just don't feel like. Sometimes you just don't want to tinker, and KDE is a little bit too friendly on the people that like to tinker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So XFC is I'm, better. I'm, well, 
that's why I. Uh, uh, that's one of the other reasons I wanted to bring XFCE back because XFCE is light and is customizable and it still uses GTK two three slash three libraries. So uh, you can do whatever you want with it. And I love the fact that it's CSS. Uh, you can. You, for example, I have the Zero Linux Hello tool. Instead of adding it in the uh, app menu, I can just add a launch uh, thing in the set in the XFCE settings if I mm-hmm. wanted to. Uh, so uh, I, I like XFCE. I have nothing against XFCE. It's just uh, when you look at it from the point of view of a maintainer, like I was telling Josh before the before the stream. Uh, when you look at it from a distro maintainer point of view, and you have a certain you're used to a certain workflow. XFCE doesn't work for KDE workflow people. Uh, But uh, like, for example, in in KDE, I have uh, a certain workflow in Dolphin. I have enabled the uh, green check marks for uh, GitHub. It shows you the green check mark if it's in sync with with upstream and a yellow or orange exclamation mark for files that are different from upstream. I mean, okay, so it's it's completely unfair to compare the features that dolphin has to the features uh, that not, thunar not, has. i'm not compa- i'm not comparing features don't get me wrong it's a workflow well, well yeah. talking about the- you can you can do anything in dolphin dolphin has as many features as crusader does well not quite but it, it's getting there right and it's just that's a it's just a completely different animal. It's yeah, basically I know. not it even a. It is. It's not. It's not fair to compare them. I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying from the workflow that I'm used to, the distro maintainer. Yeah. If you get uh, used the, to this Dolphin or Crusader, it's it gets it's hard to switch to something else. Yeah, exactly. Like my my workflow is disrupted when I use something else. It's that's completely re- disrupted. That's the reason why I love Crusader so much, because you can take it anywhere, even if you do have to download the entire KDE stack in order to use it. Um, yeah, well, uh, so XFCE will be making a comeback. I will be using it from time to time in a VM, because that thing flies in a VM. It flies like I've never seen anything fly. Even window managers, uh, uh, it's, it flies like window managers in a VM. Minus uh, Wayland stuff, uh, but uh, the workflow—it's all about workflow. KDE doesn't—it it has a few things that uh, that help workflow-wise, but GNOME—it's like a peaceful workflow environment, a very peaceful one. Uh, whereas KDE, it's a clunky one. You have to do a million things at the same time just to do to get to a one end result uh, with gnome it's i feel more at peace in in gnome for some reason it's i look at it because it's like mac os it's very mac os like in like those other features we are including we don't care about anything else we care about uh this 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 and that this is how uh, how we do it and when when you don't expect uh, your desktop environment to do more than it was intended to do, which macOS users do, for example, they don't expect uh, macOS to do more than it does. They they now live with it, and the way it is, if you live with GNOME, it's gonna work just fine. It's like 
uh, for me, I uh, now I see, uh, I understand when people say uh, GNOME is uh, for people who just want to turn on the computer, get to work. Yes. GNOME sucks. They don't. All right, we're going to need to move on, guys. <laughs> GNOME sucks. Yeah, I, I, uh, just, I, I just like to troll the gnome guys. It's so much fun. Yeah. Um. Anyways, it's, let's go ahead. Can I'm just I'm just pushing us. It's fine because I I guarantee you I'm gonna be talking about gnome. <laughs> oh good. Oh good. You'll you'll get some more time to 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 go on about gnome. Well, specifically though, I'm not gonna be talking about gnome. I'm actually gonna be talking about Red Hat, which you know if if there's anybody that's uh been contributing quite heavily to gnome to the point where they've effectively taken over the project. It's Red Hat. Because just this week, in fact, uh, just a few days ago, actually, Red Hat turned 30. And uh, I'm going to link this in the chat, but Linux, I got this article from uh, Linuxiac.com. Not a website that I frequent very often because uh, they, they've got that weird name. And honestly, they don't normally post like a super great article every now and then. But they, but uh, Bo- Bobby Borosov knocked it out of the park with this article. <laughs> It is actually very well detailed on, like, the history of Red Hat over the 30 years that they've existed. I actually didn't know that Red Hat actually came out before the Linux kernel was even released. <laughs> but uh, that's the, that's really the news is that Red Hat turned 30. But, uh, you know, it's talking about, like, the history of Red Hat. Starting in 1993... Uh, it was one of it's one was one of the first uh, Linux distributions. It released about the same time same time Slackware, Debian, and and uh, SUSE released. And uh, he goes to call call it the magnificent foursome. Or and realistically, uh, there's only really like five five six or seven really unique distros, and everything is just downstream from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can see where it. Where he's he's even got like the old logos for Red Hat in here too, which uh it it it's great. Like uh, you have Red Hat Software because Red Hat started as a software company. They weren't really like a Linux server. Uh, Red Red Hat when it first came out is that they were making software for Unix at the time, <laughs> and then uh and then Linus Torvalds cre- released the Linux kernel, which means that uh, you had the system that was like Unix but it wasn't Unix, and then the biggest the biggest thing that uh, is not mentioned in this article is that the the real big thing that Red Hat had going for them in the 90s is that they actually managed to pick up a couple contracts with uh, these big companies, like uh, one of them called Pixar, the other one called DreamWorks. Uh, I, I imagine that if you watched a Disney movie in the, like the past 20 years, you probably know those two names. But uh, they, they actually por- worked on porting animation software that was purpose-designed for Unix to Linux. Uh, so, and, uh, it's, it's not like, uh, Blender, but it was, the it was, I can't remember the name of the software that they, that they worked, but, uh, that's where they got their initial rounds of funding. And then, uh, you could, you could see that, uh, the actual first release date for Red Hat, the, this, the Linux distribution, Red Hat, not, not RHEL, so not Enterprise Linux yet. Uh, 1994, and then uh, 95, they they actually hit 1.0, and they used the Walking Man logo. Uh, honestly, like if you just want like a good read, that's what this article is, and I just want to share it with everybody. Yeah, well, 30. 
Oh, yeah, 30, 30 years. And, uh, you know, uh, talking about, like, the things that, that Red Hat has done, they've made the Linux server relevant because without before Red Hat actually started releasing Red Hat as the server edition, nobody else was because it, it before Red Hat did it, everybody just thought that Linux was just, like, a desktop operating system. Nobody ever actually took it took it seriously for like a server usage. Uh, they 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 are they are the GNOME Foundation, so it's just like they they gave us GNOME and the GTK toolkit, which at this point is basically like at least somewhere in the sixty percent range of of the Linux right desktop experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot a lot of stuff like they've had a big thing in like System D, Xorg, Pulse Audio, Pipewire, Wayland. I mean. You look at the list of stuff that they've had a a big uh, hand in, and it makes you wonder what the hell is Canonical doing? You know, <laughs> like, like 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 did Canonical do actually anything? <laughs> it just, uh, just the, everybody took everything from Red Hat and they molded it. To, to well, their the liking. only thing that Canonical really did relevant was because Red Hat was so embedded in like the server. Uh, Canonical was the one that actually pushed the desktop. Desktop forward. Linux, yeah, I know. I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I that was mostly tongue, tongue in cheek, but it just because like every background process that you think of that you think you know that runs the what you're using as Linux, basically Red Hat had a hand in. I mean, a lot yeah. of the times it and, started off as another project and then they just kind of started contributing to it, but um, some of them they started from the beginning. So I mean, like Network Manager, come on. <laughs> Yeah. And honestly, when you see like a company on like the scale of Red Hat, and effectively uh, serving a product that is actually free, <laughs> well, it's it's kind of amazing that they were a multi-billion-dollar company before IBM bought them. That's one of the reasons why I always push back on people who are so anti-corporate when it comes to stuff. Like, like you you can complain a lot about the corporate influence of the Linux Foundation. Like, you know, Microsoft and Google have a big part in the Linux Foundation and stuff like that. But a lot of people ha- just absolutely hate Red Hat. Like, and I, and I don't, I've never understood it because if you didn't have Red Hat, if, if Red Hat had just been a few random developers who made no money, Linux wouldn't be here, yeah, so right? We'd it, still be using, our, our audio system would still be SNDIO and OSS. Yeah, like, like you couldn't not have Linux as it is today without Red Hat. Same thing with with Canonical. Like you, Canonical pushed things forward as well and, and made things more popular and got more developers interested in all this stuff. So you can give credit to Canonical as well. And and SUSE has, you know, some footing in there as well. But you, you without the corporate backing of those companies that actually made money a lot of this stuff like i mean we bitch about how bad audio is and we've had our audio issues today but audio 10 years ago on linux was a hundred times worse it was i mean like a hundred times worse maybe a thousand times worse it was so so bad and it was so bad to the point where it's just like uh it if you you had if you bought a motherboard with integrated audio, it was just straight up not going to work for you whatsoever. So Linux users were still buying sound cards when, at, at the dawn of, of the end of sound cards. And, and uh, specifically, they were specifically you were buying one model of sound card. And by the time uh, Pulse Audio came around, it was glorious. And that's why everybody pushed pushed Pulse Audio so hard, serving it before it actually even hit stable. That's how excited we were for yeah. it. 
And what are you talking about? Jo what are you talking about, Josh? I'm running a creative sound card in my system. Oh, I mean, well, nowadays some, you are. Some some people can use sound cards still today. But another area, and we still have problems with you know proprietary Wi-Fi cards, right? We still have some of those issues. Oh. But <laughs> ten years ago, you you can complain all you want about proprietary Wi-Fi cards right now. Yes, they're still a problem. But ten years ago, Wi-Fi just didn't work on Linux unless you had like one Wi-Fi card that actually, you know, you got lucky and had Intel. a driver. It had to be, it had to be Intel. Right. It had to be Absolutely Intel. had to be Intel. Now, if it was anything yeah. else, it wasn't going to work. Now it's way, but now it's way, way better. So, uh, and, and all that stuff can be contributed to the fact that they had, there's the ability, you know, there was money behind the developers who were able to work on this stuff to actually make it work. And they had incentives Jason, to do so, not just because of the Linux desktop, but because they were so successful in the server space, they had to get have a lot of the stuff. Plus, a lot of their clients or whatever adopted Linux on the desktop, too. So it's just, I, I, don't, I don't understand people who are so anti-Red Hat. Anti-Microsoft, Google, fine, but I don't understand the anti-Red Hat stuff. Well, on, uh, on an unrelated note, I want to ask both of your opinions. Uh... What do you think uh, about the, uh, the the current state of, of of Linux? Since we're a little bit on the subject, uh, uh, what do you think? Is, is some people uh, say that, like one of them being me, <laughs> but uh, we think we there's a group of us who think that Linux could have been a hundred times better by growing. Uh, uh, how should I put it? Uh, well, uh, it didn't get politicized. Each draw uh, or DE or whatever in the Linux uh, sphere, uh, like hated each other uh, or didn't like to mix with each other or things like that it's i i, I used to think about it in a, in such a way where uh it was uh the hate was causing linux to die and it's never so gonna it was never really hate that held linux back it was people not understanding like the free software mission the open source mission on top of the sheer massive influence uh, that was Microsoft in the late 90s and early 2000s. Well, okay, okay. That's really no, what no, it was. No, real, okay, it was those things, but it was that's not the the majority. The reason why Linux never took off was because it's never on hardware that you can go buy. You can you can't go into Best Buy and buy a, a laptop with Linux on it. You you probably you can't you can now you can, <laughs> you you, can you, now because you can go buy a Chrome OS a book right, but you can't go. I mean. You you couldn't go on Lenovo's website or IBM's website back in the day and actually buy, you know, a, a desktop or a computer with Linux on. It. You just couldn't do it. I mean, you can now, but you know, 10 years ago that was basically unheard of. 20 years from I, ago, you couldn't. It, it was just it was impossible. You you had to install. Did you did you, did you hear that uh, frameworks? There, there's a distro that's being worked on for the frameworks laptop. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be Debian or Ubuntu based. If yeah, I'm not. I mean, it probably is. Sure, probably yeah, will yeah. be. The the the, the point I, I I was making is just just that 
the reason I mean we, we Tyler and I've talked about this before you guys joined the podcast, but the 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 majority reason why Linux just never took off was just because of hardware availability, it, it, and oh, that can be contributed to what you said, Josh, that the that Microsoft was able to use their influence and stuff like that to basically incentivize hardware vendors to use Windows, right? That they were able to yeah, it's just uh, like, like uh... plus you get. Back in the back in the 90s, when hardware support on Linux was a problem, no matter what somebody in the chat said, you know, Windows 95, Windows 98, basically worked on everything. You know, it didn't matter. You know, it, it because all the well, hardware everything that because the, everything every, that uh, all the hardware was ma- all the hardware was made for it because that and because that was true, it worked on everything. You could you know vendors could use basically whatever they wanted and because things were being developed for it you know before windows they could you know it had a much broader selection whereas if you wanted to put linux on something back then you know you had to have a very select you know selection of hardware in order to get it all work properly unless you wanted to you know tinker with it like you could get basically anything to work 25 years ago on linux you know just to you know whatever but you had to put work and effort into it. It wasn't just, hey, this thing works out of the box. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it has, just, it ha- Linux has grown be, uh, uh, a lot. But the, the point I was making was it could have grown much bigger if it weren't for, for uh, people holding uh, grudges against each other and uh, going from... Well, here, uh, here's the thing, Steve. Have you looked at the server market? Oh, I'm not talking server. I'm talking desktop Linux. Well, I know desktop. I, I know you're talking desktop. But Linux has grown, and it is massive. Yeah, because it is, it is 90% of all the internet... Tr- internet ser- and and, that do, and it was able to do that with, you know, all the infighting and stuff over, you know, standards and stuff like that. It's because the, the people, the, the companies that have done so well in the server space don't care about the fact that you know system d comes from red hat you know what i mean they just use system d you know and they they don't care about the the infighting yeah there's infighting between the the individual companies like they you know they can they compete against each other but there's not a small fraction of people inside red red hat or whatever that are like oh we don't like system d we're just going to use run it instead you know and and i think that's what you're talking about steve is in the desktop market when people don't like something they fork it and create something else right And, and there's this lack of standardization right yeah, um, yeah. In, in the server market, there are standards, right? Yeah, they use different server, they use different distros, but they all have the underlying same underlying technology and stuff like same, that. They same use. with same same with uh, like I was telling Josh uh, before the stream. Same like uh, uh, with Zero Linux, for example. I set a set of standards you need to follow if you want to fork zero linux and to create a spin or uh, or a I watched edition. distro hacking like last night there are no standards i'm just <laughs> okay he he did whatever he wanted to do um it didn't work but it <laughs> you know no, i mean i mean standards if if somebody wants to come to and be zero a, linux, if they if they want to be an official flavor i understand what you mean i was just yeah. being yes, funny yes exactly so oh, uh, it's uh, we have a, a, a guideline, not standards. I should have said guidelines. Uh, 
uh, if you don't want to abide by those guidelines, you, you create your own distro. That's the, that's the core problem. Like each of us have guidelines that don't agree with each other, and uh, some reason instead of being on good terms. We start to uh, fight each other. You're you're right that there's a lack of cooperation. Like everyone has to create their own package manager, right? Like there there's every every yeah, there's everyone. There's no need right, for that. Like I understand. I understand that that's a problem, and and we've talked about fragmentation and stuff in the Linux space as, before. As, as a distro maintainer, you start to see those unravel in front of your eyes. Right, but when but, you're just a user, you don't. But I'm I'm gonna disagree with you that that's the problem. Like, first first of all, it's it, one what, of what, the problems, no, what, not the problem. Whether you see it as a problem or not, even is going to be de determined on your your point of view because a lot of people think that that's the best part about open source because you can if you don't like something you can take it and you can go do your own thing with it. That's yes, this is the best part, but at the same time, shouldn't fight the person that doesn't like what you're doing. Uh, with uh, the code. Uh, again, I understand that that stuff happens, but I don't think that that that's the that's not the it if it, 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 it contributed to Linux not taking off. You know, it, it was such a small part because the 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 biggest part has always been, you know, the lack of it being on hardware that people can buy. Because if if that's the biggest reason. That's the uh, and, but. But to, to to kind of take what you're talking about, one of the things that does happen because of the fragmentation is that it makes it really hard for uh, Linux to advertise, right? It's re really hard to advertise yeah. and market a piece of software that is so fragmented over you know many different things, right? But even that is, is such a small part of it, I, I, I think. Case in point, for example, uh, you have System76, right? They're, they're, they're a hardware manufacturer that uh, are, are Linux-based. Uh, but their distro only works on their hardware. So it's kind of... Not just their hardware. No, that's not true. You can, you, can make, you can make it with a lot of work. You can make it run on anything. I hear Nate. Not even from a lot the, of work. I hear Nate from the Discord just shouting at you right now, man. <laughs> like Pop OS works on a lot of different district, uh, on a lot of different hardware. No, I'm not talking about Pop uh, Pop OS. I'm talking on the the the, uh, the System 76 OS or whatever. Not System 76. That oh, is Pop OS, man. That's System 76 oh, OS. The other one. The, uh, no, no, the other one. Talking about Tuxedo OS or whatever? Yeah, Tuxedo, yeah. Tuxedo, oh, sorry. okay, yeah, that, that's, yeah, sorry, uh, that's sorry, a different I, story. Yeah, mm. I, I, yeah I, that's I, a I, different I, company. I think that's uh, Tuxedo Computers that makes a... Yeah, literally no one cares about Tuxedo yeah, OS. But, and that's because they... If, if that's the what we're thinking, talking about is true. Like, I don't, I don't even know. But if, if they've just made it for their own oh, hardware... They, 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 there's... There are parts of it, like some of the tools that they use on their hardware that is on the AUR, for example. But basically uh, what they've done is they've made a proprietary system out of Linux, which is fine. Yes. You, you can yes. do that if that's what you want to do, but I mean, it's just... I mean, if you install Gentoo, that's literally what you do. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's it's okay. Um, anyways, guys, let's move on to the, the last story, which is mine. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because it doesn't really matter. But the Steam Deck apparently has sold about 3 million... 
uh, units in 2023. Now that's 3 million units during 2023. Um, uh, the, the, apparently it hit, what it, this article doesn't really make clear whether that's just 3 million during this year or if that's 3 million in total. It, it, it's kind of confusing because they, they said we already knew that it hit 1 million in 2022. Um, so it does. I, no, I think, I think I, uh, it's a total, a total sales. I think so too, but uh, that's not really what the headline makes it seem like. Because it says during 2023 they sold three million. Poor headlines from Gaming on Linux. Sorry guys, but anyways, they they've sold millions of these things. But like we talked, like Tyler and I talked about when we this first started, it was never anybody who had expectations for this thing out selling like the Nintendo Switch was just asking for disappointment. Uh, it was just never going to sell that many, but. I still think that three million, whether that's you know just this year or collectively, is still pretty impressive. The fact that I mean that's a lot of Linux machines out there that weren't out there before, yeah. so that's pretty cool. Um, and, and honestly, uh, like uh, three million three million units on what is a basically actually a first generation product. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, and, and one where at the beginning it was there was such a unknown of whether or not they were going to get it so that you could play the majority of games on it and uh that question has been answered you can play the vast majority of games on the steam deck which is awesome it's really cool i should have I, not I always have well selected, but you can do it i should have selected that new story for for today's stream it would have been a fresh uh piece. and you know it it does run kde so that could have been your kde story <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 I, I should, no i should i should have selected the following story. Uh, Chimera OS now runs on the Steam Deck. What the... F oh, that's cool. What the hell is Chimera OS? I don't even know what that is. Oh, Matt, you're in the Linux world and you don't know what Chimera OS is. Chimera okay. OS is a gaming distro that has existed for a long time, and now they released version 4.1 that runs on the Steam Deck, and uh, it doesn't run KDE. It runs GNOME. Never heard of uh, it before. Uh, it um, it was I think it's one of these super early uh, Linux distros that advertise that this is a distro for video games. For, yeah, uh, it's been around for a while. It's been around for a long time, and uh, they even gave access to all their tools. On the, uh, they're on the AUR, uh, and they are the ones who put them on the AUR, not some weirdo maintainer. They put them on the AUR, so any distro can take the uh, Linux, uh, I mean, the Steam UI thing, the, what do they call it? I forgot. Uh, big picture you can mode? Just, not big picture mode. It's the Steam Deck UI. Steam OS? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just throwing uh, out words. So one of the ones but, is going to be what you're thinking of. No, it has a special name. Uh, but anyway. Halo, yeah, Holo, can, Halo or something? That's one oh, of them. Hollow ISO. Not I, ISO I, I don't. Let's just come on. We're gonna sit here and think of this word for the next twenty you know, minutes. Whatever, Let's move on. whatever the tool, <laughs> the the name of the package is. Uh, you have all the uh, the package and all its dependencies available on the UR. You can just include them on your distro, configure them uh, the correct way, and you can re uh, release a, a Steam Deck friendly uh, distro. But they did do it so well. Apparently, according to ETA Prime. Because he's the one who reviewed it, uh, the video I watched, uh, basically, uh, it runs a little bit better than SteamOS. For some reason, they've done so many optimizations mm. that it runs very well on the Steam Deck. 
and uh, and the best part of this uh, part is any portable handheld in the Steam Deck format run this distro. So basically, you can have multiple Steam Decks on your hands. You, you, your emphasis on any really blew out your microphone there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't gotta shout man it's okay the microphone will pick you up all right let's go ahead and move on to the last section of the podcast this is the 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 end of the show where we like to go on to the thingies of the week and we call them the thingies of the week because well we had nothing else to call them everything else is trademarked so uh josh your thingy of the week well uh if you might not have noticed uh my youtube my youtube channel has uh, actually been releasing videos again <laughs> so it, it's been active i even i even did distro hacking last night as you as uh, you've pointed out several times now it was very exciting so uh i i'm back i'm creating content i actually recorded 17 videos this week too <laughs> so uh i have fallen back on the tried and true Caden live which is my pick this week because it is still honestly and i have and i've tried a, quite a few of them now the the uh the best video editor, in my personal opinion, um, on it, Linux. I don't even think it's another your win opinion. for KDE. <laughs> another it, win for KDE. It's just, it's just the best. Uh, the rest of them are, are varying shades of awful. Um, I mean, KDE wins again. DaVinci Resolve, it works. I've tried it. I've used it, but uh, I just, I just can't get used to like the workflow. I've tried OpenShot, and I can't find a, I can't find a render button in Shotwell. I've never uh, been able shot. to get DaVinci Resolve to actually work on my hardware. They have some yeah, really uh, weird hardware. OpenShot feels a little bit too basic. Uh, it is basic. Shot, it is. Uh, shot cut. For the longest time, I couldn't figure out how to put anything on the timeline. <laughs> so, supposedly, all the Olive Editor or whatever is going to be like the future of video editing. But it, it's the future, but how long have they? How, it's how been long an, has it been it's since been, they've had a release? Like it's been and, an alpha uh, for a long it's been it's been alpha since like day one and while the vert while the version two of it i think version 0.2 of it seems really really fascinating and amazing you have to also realize that there's only like four people working on it It and it's a video editor they were also rewriting a whole bunch of stuff from version 0.1 yeah they were they were they were rebuilding from the bottom up and uh, they are still rebuilding from the which is just that's not like and you should at least get the ver- for seven years. You should at least get that to version 1.0 before you start rebuilding stuff already, because it doesn't bode well for consistency of your product project. But anyways, uh, Steve, your thingy of the week. My uh, my thingy of the week is called Glade. Glade is a GUI uh, design tool. Uh, I think it's GTK. Uh, I don't remember. But uh, the reason I picked it is because it's what I used uh, with the help of uh, Neff Gordon, uh, Vlad, uh, uh, create the Zero Hello tool. And it made it easy for me to modify. Uh, in the early stages, when it, uh, we first started using it, it was a crash-tastic application. But now it's way more stable. I use it as a flat pack. And... It makes it so easy to create your GUI app. It does, however, it does not, however, uh, bode well when you want to write the actual code <laughs> for, for the GUI. Uh, Don't the shout GUI. into your microphone. <laughs> not shouting. <laughs> He's getting excited. 
he, Sorry, the, it's too he, close to my mouth. You know, his his it's method of speaking mouth. is he likes to put effort, emphasis on certain words. It, it's ador- <laughs> it's adorable, but it also means that when he shouts out code, my microphone's set on fire. I'm... <laughs> okay, sorry. sorry, sorry, Steve. Uh, it's okay. Go ahead and go. <laughs> uh, uh, Pick shit and post. It's gonna be all right. So uh, it uh, do not use it for uh, for coding. The actual coding you write in in a different language, but you can uh, you can use this application to attach buttons, for example, to actual code. But you have to write the code somewhere else. Uh, but uh, it's a wonderful and easy app to use. Uh, it's much simpler than Qt Creator, although I am a KDE user. Uh, I found Qt Creator to be way more complex than um, uh, than Glade. Glade well, just makes it simple and is easy to use. Steve, uh, can can I point something out to you? Because I I found Glade on I found the Git repo. And I'm reading the README, and it says that Glade is not actively being developed or maintained. Well, it received an update on Flatpak, so... <laughs> I mean, the Flatpak might have received an update, just like fix a packaging it's issue, possible but... somebody uh, forked it, and we just don't know. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's also possible, too. I, I don't yeah, know I don't what's know. going on with the Flatpak for, but uh, I'm on gitlab.gnome.org, where, it's, where the official code is supposedly hosted. And there is a message saying that's not being actively developed. Works. So <laughs> I'm just talking yeah, about it. I mean, that if I it works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, it used to be crashtastic when I started using it, like early last year. I think uh, I don't know, but it still works. Uh, it, it received a few updates on FlatHub, so uh, now it works. It doesn't crash, and I still use it. Uh, I created a couple of applications since internally for me. Uh, to, instead of having to run the script in terminal, I just create a GUI like I use it like I used to use YAD, basically. I just create a front end for scripts. Cool. All right, my thingy of the week is an Android application actually, and it is called Stealth. Now, I know what the open source community thinks of Reddit for the most part, but you know whatever. Uh, Stealth is actually a privacy-focused open-source uh, Reddit application. You can't even sign into the thing, so it doesn't take or collect any of your information, and it's very well designed. You can, subs- quote-unquote, subscribe to subreddits so you can follow them, um, but it doesn't you, – you, if you wanted to – I can't t- comment. No, you can't, you can't comment, you can't share, you can't vote up or anything like that. It's just for browsing. So if you're privacy focused but and you want to get onto Red Hat, Stealth is a good option. It is an F droid, and it it's just very very well designed, and it does a good job. And if the cool thing about it is if you wanted to uh, take your subscriptions from the application and move it to another phone or a, you know a Android tablet or something like that, you can easily export them uh, so that you can move them from device to device. Um, and it, and it, it's really well designed. It works really, really well. And like I said, you can't even it, signing in is not even an option. It's just a matter of browsing through Reddit. And it's what I've been using, other than a, than a, rather than a Reddit app for a little while. And it's really good. So uh, definitely check that out. Well, um, I have a question for you, Matt. Did you did you uh, drop by the uh, TLC uh, IRC? No. Uh, I was not even aware that it existed until like yesterday. Um, that is not official, but I don't care that it exists. Um, I 
honestly, I have signed into IRC exactly one time in the last five years. Um, probably couldn't remember how to do it now. Uh, <laughs> the other day was the first time since the 90s I logged into an IRC. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm in an IRC <laughs> chat right now. Good for you? <laughs> it's just like, I have... I'm on Discord. I understand what people think of Discord, but I, I, I just it, that's where I mean, the people, people are just on Discord, so there, I, there's legitimate use to, use for Discord. Um, I, I've been looking into alternatives for Discord. Uh, that not that the Discord server is going to go away or anything, but just sort because I know there's a lot of people who out there who want to use like an open source something or the other for Discord and and not use Discord, Webcore. right? Uh, no, 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 not like a like an open source version of Discord. Like, I mean, an actual alternative. Like, um, the only uh, makes... the only other real alternative for a Discord that I see that that's available is Matrix. Yeah, that's what I've been. That, oh, that's what a lot of people want me to do is Matrix, but I don't want to do a bridge. But because I've heard some horrible, horrible, horrid, you know, terrifying stories about them thing breaking all the time, breaking more I, than did you, you know, see. I love I love what J Dog did to, to 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 the server to, to the point where I made him admin on mine and I asked him to replicate that. Yeah, he he should work for Discord. Um, <laughs> but um, but anyways, I looked at I looked at Matrix. Apparently, there's something called Revolt, which is apparently the most hackable thing ever because apparently it's been hacked many times. I don't I don't even know if that's true, but somebody told me, so I, I assume that it at least has some truth to it. And then uh. Somebody mentioned like creating like a Mattermost thing, um, but that looks more like a. Well, yeah, there's for- Mattermost. Um, it looks well, I was mostly like a forum kind of type thing. I don't. know. It's not actually like. Uh, Mattermost. Mattermost is like Slack. Hmm. Um. Anyways, I've been looking at alternatives. I don't know where I'll eventually go. Or if I'll, I'll just say screw it. If you want to, we'll just stay with Discord. But the Discord's not going anywhere. So, anyways, that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, we have to pop out of here. We've ag- we actually somehow managed to get an hour and a half out of these topics, which is just astonishingly shocking, um, considering that you know they were such as they were. So, anyways, uh, make sure you head on over to the website, thelinuxcast.org, YouTube.com/slash/thelinuxcast. Thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon and YouTube. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channels would not be anywhere near where it is right now. So, thank you so very, very much for your support. You guys are all awesome. Uh, we record this live every Saturday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We usually go for about two hours because we can't help ourselves but talk about other things that are not on the list. It's just impossible. So if you like Rambles, if you like Linux, make sure you head on over here and watch us live every Saturday. If not, you can always watch the replay, which is uh, just stays on YouTube for alternative. There's also an audio version, which you can check out on all of your podcasting applications uh, just by searching for the Linux cast. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye.